in the midst of our sermon series, that's what we're talking about. What does it mean to be a light? God has called us to be a light, and he's invited us to be all in with him. And there's the big idea with this sermon series is this, that we, we can't just put our toe in the water and expect to get the fullness of life that Jesus has come and given himself so that we can experience. And, and I think that's where, where many people, and honestly, many even Christ followers, are missing out on the fullness of life with Christ. We are called and we are supposed to be a light to this world. And last week we talked about the simple fact that when I become a Christ follower, and I'm called to be a light, and over this sermon series, we're going to talk about different aspects of what it means to be a light. And last week, we talked about living out what the Bible says. And if I'm going to be a person who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to experience out what the Bible says on this earth, then to do so, I'm going to have to live out what the Bible says. And we talked about the struggle with that. I mean, it sounds pretty simple, right? I become a Christ follower. The word tells me to do something. That's what I do. It sounds pretty simple. But in reality, it's difficult at times because we struggle against ourselves because sometimes we come across things in God's word. And as we see them, they're both countercultural and even further than countercultural, they're counterintuitive at times. The way that we've been brought up, perhaps, the way that we've experienced life, the, the things that we've put into our own mind, we see something that his word says and we go, that, that just doesn't make sense. Let me give you an example. Just one. Pretty simply, God's word tells us when Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, but hate your enemies. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That, my friends, is counterintuitive. I never get up in the morning and go, I'm just going to pray for all the people who badmouth me. I just love them and uh, I just really want the best. The only time that you might find me naturally praying for my enemies is God, there he is. Could you zap him? I would appreciate that right now. I mean, that, that may be something that comes naturally out of me, but there is a struggle for all of us that if we're going to live out what the Bible says, we're going to run into some things that are counterintuitive, and the question is going to be, what do I do at that point in time? So living out what the Bible says is one part of what it means to be a light. But what we're going to talk about today is the next step in being a light and that is we, we want to help invite others on this journey of faith. But let me tell you why. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done. Because of Jesus, we need to understand that there's two things that have happened in our life. Because of Jesus, if you are a Christ follower, the first thing that's happened is I have been saved from sin, right? It, because of Jesus, I am saved from sin. There was sin that was in my life that had broken my relationship with God. There wasn't anything on this earth that I could do to restore that relationship with God. So God, in his goodness and in his mercy, while we were still sinners, Romans 5.8 tells us, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
And so Christ, he overcame the power of sin and he was resurrected. And when Christ was resurrected, he overcame the power of sin and death in this world. And because of Jesus, I am now saved from sin if I follow him. So therefore, I don't have to win sin. However, but because of Jesus, not only am I saved from sin, I'm also saved for sharing. I'm saved for sharing. You see, God didn't just come to do something from himself. He came to do something for us. And we don't want to just get things from God. We want to do things for God. Not that God needs us to do anything for him. But here's the trick that we need to understand. It's not even a trick. I don't know why that came out of my mouth. Here's the thing that we need to understand about this. As we do the things that God's word leads us to do, then we are living the life that he wants us to live, and that is where we find the fullness of life. And I say that in context of what I'm just about to share, which is found in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 18, here's the words of Jesus. Jesus came near and he said to them, them would be the disciples at the time, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. So to put this in the format of what we're talking about, about being a light, what Jesus is saying here is I must invite others on this journey of faith. I'm supposed to invite others on this journey of faith. When he tells the disciples, I'm about to ascend into heaven, and so you're left here, and what you're to do is to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So to make that maybe a little bit simpler for us to remember, it's this. I must invite others on the journey of faith. That's part of being a light. Now, here's what I understand when we hear commands like this from Jesus. The key word here, the key word that we're looking at is the word inviting. And here's what I did this week, and I didn't realize until I got in here, so y'all should get to laugh with me this morning. Last week, our key word was intentional, meaning that on our little diagram up here, what it means to put all these pieces together, the first one is intentional. And we talked about if I'm going to be a person who's all in, there's going to end up being five things. Spoiler alert, okay? So the first one was we're going to be intentional. And then the next thing we're going to do is we're going to be inviting. And it's up there right now. It's white letters in that yellow box that none of you can see. So I just want you to trust me that it's there. I made that mistake this week. And when I got here this morning and clicked that, I went, oh, nobody can see that. That's okay. It's still our key word, inviting. And so what we need to understand is that we're called by Jesus to invite others on this journey of faith. I've got to be a person that's inviting. And here's what happens. We hear that really in different ways. There are some times that we hear that command and it, it absolutely frightens us. Because what we hear is, okay, God has called me to go and tell and to make disciples. And hopefully what I'm about to say will make sense to you. When you hear that phrase, go make disciples, an image comes into your head 
of what it means to go and make disciples. And if that image elicits something that you feel comfortable with, then you go, I can go make disciples. But if that image elicits something that you go, I don't know how to do that, then it brings this fear of going, I can't make a disciple. And all of a sudden this command gets something that is very stressful for you in your life. So I want to help you with that stress this morning. Here's what you need to understand. Anything in all of Scripture that God commands us to do is for his glory and for our good. So hear me on this. John 10.10 tells us very clearly that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come so that they may have life and have it more abundantly or have it to the full, whichever your translation reads on this. And so what this means is this. Jesus came so that we can have life to its fullest, to its most fulfilling, to its absolute best, however you want to word that. So here's what I want you to hear. What Jesus is saying is simply this. If you want to experience life at its best, go tell other people about me. Now, that's a little bit different angle, isn't it? Instead of it being a command, it's something that we begin to realize God wants what's best for me, and what he's telling me is to experience all of the fullness of this life in the best way possible, then I need to be inviting others on this journey of faith with me. And so let me put it a different way. If you are not doing that, you are not experiencing life at its fullest. And now you don't want to miss out on that, do you? We all want to experience life at its fullest. And so Paul writes the letter to the Romans and he says it this way, how then can they call on him who they have not believed in? People can't call on Jesus if they don't believe on him. How can they believe without hearing about him? Well, that makes sense. How can they hear without a preacher? Oh, now some of you think you found the loophole there just now, right? Oh, good. The preacher gets to tell everybody. No, no, no. Preacher means someone who proclaims the good news. So look at your neighbor and say, I am a preacher. Good. You come up and finish this now then since you're all preachers. No, I'm just kidding. You are. We are all called to proclaim the good news. How can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? Well, the verse that we just saw shows us that Jesus has sent each and every one of us to proclaim this good news. And then he closes it up by saying, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So understand this from me this morning. Yes, it's a command of Scripture. And the first thing that we talked about last week is part of being a follower of Christ is that I'm going to live out what the Bible says. So clearly here the Bible says that we're supposed to go and we're supposed to tell other people about Jesus, period. That should be enough said. But what I want to say this morning is we have the opportunity as being a person of the light to invite other people on this journey of faith. And when we do that, we experience life at its fullest. We experience life at its fullest. You see, we want to look at that a little bit more. What happens when I invite other people on this journey of faith? Well, the first thing is this. When I invite other people on this journey of faith, the first thing that happens is my faith becomes stronger. My faith becomes stronger. It actually has benefit for you to be sharing for other people. And I know you already all understand that because you want to learn something, teach it, right? You want to learn a lot about Scripture, 
be a Bible study teacher. If you would like to be one, see me at the end of the service. We'll do some training. We'll get you plugged into there. I promise you, you start looking in front of a class of people that you've got to teach the word to, you will learn a lot about Scripture. A lot more than you are sitting in the class. No offense to any of our excellent Bible study teachers, myself included. But people learn a lot more when they're actually doing something than if they're just participating and listening in it. So the first thing that happens is when I invite others, my faith becomes stronger. You want to know two reasons why your faith becomes stronger? The first one is this. Anytime that we obey God's word, our faith becomes stronger, period. So I just want to go ahead and tell you this. I know how difficult, how stressful it can be to try to share your faith with other people. But we're going to come to this in a minute of how I think sometimes we make actually going and making disciples a more difficult task than it actually is. But let me just tell you this. There are times in my life I have set up some things that I do purposefully to put myself in a position to make sure that I'm sharing my faith with other people. So I'm not trying to draw attention to myself, but I want to give an example of this. I like to play golf. And those times where I get put in a group of golfers that I don't know, that I always make it my intention to at some point during that round or near the end of that round of golf to look at the person that I've been playing with and say, hey, I like to pray for the people that I meet during the day, and is there anything that I could pray for you about? It's just something simple like that. When we go to lunch and we go out to eat, the best that I can do, I try to learn the waitress's name, and with the opportunity, waiter or waitress's name, and when I have the opportunity, I try to do the same thing. Hey, you've done a great job serving us. Is there any way I can pray for you? Works better with a ridiculously generous tip. Hint, hint, Christians. Okay. Hey, how can I pray for you? Well, you can pray that you could give some more tip because, it, no, that's not what we want them saying. Okay. But there are little opportunities like that that we can do that help. And I will just tell you, every time without fail. My heart starts beating fast. I start second-guessing myself. Well, do I really need to say anything? Oh, they're probably a good person anyway. Oh, what am I going to All these things go through my head. But when I take that step and I actually obey and I do that, not only does it benefit that person, it benefits me. Because I know, okay, I've done that. And I know there, there's something that's very exciting about that. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, our job is to obey and do. Sometimes they look at me and it leads to a conversation where I get to have a connect with someone and minister into their life. And sometimes they look at me like I'm an alien from a foreign planet and go, I don't know. And I go, okay, I'll just pray for you anyway. And, and I just do. And that's okay. So the first way that it makes our faith stronger is that we obey God's word. That always makes our faith stronger. But the second thing is this. I promise you, if you're sharing your faith with someone else and they're interested in it at all and you're listening to them, Hear me on this. At some point in time, they're going to ask you a question. And they're going to ask you a question that you don't know the answer to. And when you don't know the answer to that question, what it's going to cause you to do is go, I don't know the answer to that question. Which is ultimately going to do what? Make your faith stronger. Because it's going to lead you right back to God's word. So I'm going to tell you something. And I'm going to go down a little rabbit trail that I hope makes sense to you this morning. I believed for a while in my life as a follower of Jesus Christ that if I studied 
God's word enough that it would compel me to go share my faith. You follow me on this? I believed that if I could just put enough of God's word that somehow in there something would finally click in my heart and in my brain where I was like, okay, I want to go tell something to this. And I lived many years never reaching that place that it compelled me. And that's why you've heard me say before, I find that says what it means to be a strong believer is, well, you have a quiet time and you pray and you study God's word and you do good things to other people and you give money to missionaries and you help go to the church and stuff. But nowhere in there does it say, oh, and you share your faith. But we kind of say, oh, and you share your faith kind of as if you have a chance there. Here's what I've come to discover in the past few years. Sometimes you study God's word enough, sometimes, that something sparks that you want to go share with somebody else. But every time, without fail, that you share your faith, it leads you right back to God's word. You follow that? Sometimes, if I say, I'm studying, I'm studying, I'm studying, I'll get compelled to go. But every time I'm compelled to go, it leads me to God's word. So if you want to, perhaps you've only been a Christian for about 10 minutes now. Great. Let me tell you stories in Scripture about people who came to know the Lord and immediately what they did. You may not be familiar with any of these stories because you may not know some of the things in Scripture. That's okay. I don't want to exclude you, but I'm just going to tell you a few of them. There was a woman who met Jesus at a well. She was not a really wholesome woman. Saved her at that moment. But when she encountered Jesus, Jesus saved her at that moment. And immediately, without doing a Bible study, without following anything else up, she went into town and told the entire town, you've got to come meet this guy that I met. He's at the well. He'll change your life. There was a man who was born blind. And he would sit and he would beg. And Jesus came across and healed the man who was born blind. He had never met Jesus before. And after the man was healed, he was questioned by leaders in the community and even his own parents and other things at time where, where he was saying, what happened? How did you get healed? And he said, look, here's, here's all I know about this person, Jesus, is I was blind and now I see. And that's all he knew. And he's, his testimony turned the whole town upside down. You see, there's a pattern that you'll follow. I could go on and on and on with stories. That here's the first thing that you do when you become a Christian. The first thing that you do. The first thing that you do as a follower of Jesus Christ is you begin to tell other people about Jesus. But we've created a culture that somehow convinces us that we've got to learn some things before we do that. You'll experience the fullness of life. And when they start to tell someone, because it's in going and telling someone that you'll experience the fullness of life. And when they start asking you questions about your faith, it's going to draw you to God's word. And God's word is going to come alive and it's going to be meaningful and it's going to be powerful. And that is exhilarating and life at its fullest. No offense to myself or any other of my Christian brothers and sisters, but stuffing ourselves full of biblical knowledge with no execution of God's word is kind of worthless. It doesn't impress God. He already knows the book. He wrote it. He wants us to live it. 
And so God is inviting us to the fullness of life by sharing with others. Here's what he says. Look at this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You, you, me, you, you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his profession, possession, so that... You're all those things so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Paul writes these words to the church in Corinth. For I passed on to you as most important what I raised on the third day according to the scripture. Paul said of all the life and everything that we've shared together, what I gave you as most important thing was what Jesus has done. That's what we have to give away. And so if we're gonna experience life at its fullest, we need to understand that when I invite others, my faith becomes stronger. Not only does my faith become stronger, but my life is more full. When I begin to invite others on this journey of faith, my life gets better. Grandparents in the room, raise your hand. You can't help but brag, can you? You can't, can you? You just cannot help but brag. You sit back and you're incredibly proud, not only of your children reaching the point that they could have children that you can spoil rotten to punish your children. I get that, okay? But you can't help but share that because you're so excited about what they've done. I've understood that. Your life gets more full because you have actually added more people to it. And you've played a small part in that, right? And so that is one of those principles that we need to understand that when I'm inviting others on this journey of faith, what I'm adding potentially help me in times of adding friends to my life. I'm adding people who can help me in times of trouble. I'm adding people that I can serve and do life with. Because I said I was going to come back to this. So when Jesus says go and make disciples, I want you to think about the picture that you get in your head. Because what I will tell you is when I talk to many people, many church-going people, when they hear the phrase, go and make disciples, what comes into their head is, okay, I've got to go and I've got to teach people. So that means I've got to gather them in a Bible study and I need to, you know, look through here and we need to start at this verse and we need to end at this verse. And I've got to, I've got to teach them everything that God commanded me. What was the Lord Jesus' model of discipleship? Hey, follow me. I'm going to go over here and do this. Come with me. Come with me. Let's do this together. Hey, come with me over here. We're going we're gonna to go speak over here. Hey, hey, come, come with me as I do life. You know what discipleship can look like? We talk, I'm, I'm going to call him out. Colton was playing guitar in our praise band this morning. And Colton also loves to work on trucks. You know what discipleship looks like at times? Dad showing Colton how to rebuild a truck engine. That's discipleship. That's life together. You know, we need, what was our first word? Intentional. Or some of you go, oh, I can just live life, and that's discipleship. No, 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 no. What was our first word? Intentional. We have to be intentional about living out God's word. We have to be inviting. And so we need to understand that the simplest way that we make disciples is we invite others on the journey of faith. So let me make this crystal clear. As a pastor who loves this church and loves this community and loves you with all of my heart, I really don't care if you ever invite anyone 
to church if you're inviting them into your life to be a disciple. I would rather you in a real model of what it means to come into your life so that they can see a real model of what it means to be on this journey of faith than come and sit in a pew and listen to a person that they not, don't really even have a connect with talk about a God that they may or may not know. Which do you think is going to be a more effective way of discipleship? Think about that. It's going to be much more and lows. If you're experiencing life like never before right now and you think, man, things are clicking and going good, well, then invite someone with you and show them what it is to walk with the Lord in that time of life. If you're struggling right now and you don't know how life's going to turn out and you're having difficulties and things that you've never done before, invite someone on that journey with you. Let them see how a follower of Jesus Christ walks through the low times of life. I needed people in my life that said, Lyndall, come follow me as I go do this so I could see a model of how to live life. That was discipleship. Now, let me just say why I feel real comfortable saying that. Because if your life is one of also connecting at church and connecting to other things, if you're inviting them into your life, then you're naturally going to invite them to church. But I don't want to let you off easy. Because the easy thing is, well, just invite them to church and I'll take care of all that. No, I won't. You invite them into life and then model for them what it looks like. That's discipleship. That's exciting and that's life to the fullest. And if you're not doing that, you're missing out on what Jesus wants for you to experience life. And like I said before, sometimes we hear this as a command and we sometimes receive it as, if I'm not doing that, then God's mad at me. Can I just tell you something? God's not mad at you if you're not doing that. If you're not doing that, he's brokenhearted because you're missing out. You're missing out on life to its fullest. And there's a difference in that. Life is full when we are inviting others on this journey of faith. And here's the promise that God gives us on this. Matthew 6, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Meaning that when we live our life with the focus of saying, I'm gonna live out what the Bible says, I'm gonna invite others on this journey of faith with me, that's how I'm gonna spend my time and my energy. Then all the other things that we worry about or all the other things that we think are gonna bring us fullness of life, take care of themselves. Watch, people out there are trying to store up enough money or get enough relationships or buy the right car or have the right things to make them feel like that they're satisfied in life. But what Jesus says, if you'll just focus on me, I'll take. And then the other thing, what a deal. That's the fullness of life that we get. And then the other thing is this, is that when we're inviting others on the journey of faith, quite simply, I participate in God's plan. So important is because I know a lot of people who go, well, okay, now that I'm a believer, I don't know if I'm doing what God wants me to do. But when you're inviting others on the journey of faith, you are participating in God's plan. You are right in the center of his will. I promise you, you're right there. You never have to question, God, am I doing what you want me to do when you're inviting others on the journey of faith? If you're inviting others on a journey of faith, 100 times out of 100, you're doing exactly what God wants you to do, period. And that should be a very satisfying feeling going, I'm doing exactly what God's called me to do. I'm participating in his plan because very simply he says, go therefore and make 
disciples. And he's not just saying that because he didn't have another way to do it. He's saying that because he's inviting us to participate with him for his glory and for our good. And when we're living our life for the glory of God, we also benefit by experiencing the fullness of life as he intended for us to be. You ever heard people, as they talk about Christians or Christianity, sometimes they have a response to it of, well, you know, it's just, you know, when you're a Christian, you, you don't do this and you can't do this and you don't have that and you don't do You ever heard anybody talk like that? And so sometimes we end up thinking that way as well. Well, you know, God, God wants me to do this and he has for me to do this and I don't get to do this and I don't want to do this. And sometimes we look at God's commands as a burden instead of as the path to life. So can I just challenge you today? Look at God's commands not as a burden to be carried but as the path to life in its fullness. Learn to understand that when I'm doing the things that the word tells me to do, when I'm inviting others to do that with me, I'm going to experience life at its fullness. And I'll just kind of close with this statement that hopefully will make a little bit of sense to you. Understand this, that when God saved me, I'm saved to do, not to don't. <laughs> I'm saved to do something, not to don't do. Being a Christian is not about staying away from all this. It's about doing something. And when we do the things that God's word tells us to do, then we will experience life at its fullest. God will be glorified and we will be full and life will be awesome. And that's what he wants for you today. Not to put a burden on you, but to show you how to have life. I can invite others on this journey of faith with me. And when I do, I experience life.